0: I actually love this church. I haven't been here heaps of times, but I'm in the same tribe when I'm here. I just feel it, you know. Um, I woke up yesterday morning with um, John Knox on my heart. John Knox was a preacher in the 1600s, and John Knox had a cry in his heart. He said, give me Scotland lest I die. Every single day of his life when he had an encounter with God, that was the cry of John's heart. He was in the most uh, terrible time for Scotland you could ever imagine. And I just Googled it yesterday. Don't you love Mr. Google? Isn't he a good fella to get to know? And I found all this information and they said that one man was accredited for changing not only the spiritual environment of a nation but the economics of that nation they credited to one preacher. And there was a wicked queen by the name of Mary Queen of Scots that was around at that time. And they, he, she just hated this guy. They called her Bloody Mary. And I don't think they were swearing, but maybe they were. Bloody Mary, they called her. And Bloody Mary said of this just one preacher man, she said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. How's that for throwing a punch in the spirit? And and God used this cry of one man, one single preacher, to turn and transform not only the religious atmosphere of that land, but he went in... I couldn't believe it when I'm reading. This guy, he had no Facebook, he had no internet, he had no fast trains, and he went into all of Europe around those areas and countries and took the fire there too. And he became one of the great reformers of history. Can one person make a difference? one person full of the Holy Ghost and power and what was Wes talking about, the Holy Spirit, you know it gives us power to be witnesses in our workplace in our place but how desperate, I've come to make you uncomfortable today, I just felt it in my bones yesterday and if you don't leave this place uncomfortable I have not succeeded and you know, how desperate? I'm, look, this is, you know, I'm, I'm speaking out this way. The punch is coming back harder on me too. How desperate are you for your nation? Oh, well, I've got to have my six hours for Facebook every day. How desperate? My favourite, my favourite rugby team's playing today. How desperate? We've got to get desperate. Such desperation that we fall on our faces before God and say Lord give me New Zealand lest I die that's the desperation that this little preacher had and at that time in history they said it was barbaric there were all the tribal groups in Scotland they couldn't work together there were uh, they they called them barbarians they were so wild fellas And in that place, God called a preacher to bring a change. And it cost him. Don't think when you get desperate for Jesus Christ, it won't cost you. It'll cost you everything. Everything. I know. I paid a price. I've spent the last 40 years in the backside of the desert waiting for something God told me. He told me there's going to be a move of God in our place that's going to impact the whole South Pacific. And I've been waiting. waiting and I'm like John Knox you know you know I'm not a I used to think I was a fox terrier but I think I'm a rock wheeler (laughs) If, if I've got something in my sights and it's the Holy Ghost birth heaven and hell can come against me and it has I have had every opportunity to leave the place that I'm in with every excuse But I am a rock wheeler. I'm waiting for God to move through our 22,000 islands. And I looked it up in, you know, that's how many is in the South Pacific, by the way. And I looked it up and they said there were 25,000. I thought, man, maybe three more thousand have come since I knew that. So there's 22 or 25. I don't care. We'll have the lot. We have to get hungry for God. And I'm, I'm not just preaching this. I've lived it. And I've fell on my face many times and I said, give me the South Pacific lest I die. Yeah. And I've been at it and at it and at it. Yeah. Then we find out the biggest university in the South Pacific is coming to Lombasa. Whoa. Why? Because Marion from Maribyrn has been bashing heaven's door for the South Pacific for 40 years and I'm going to take him. Yeah. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? And you know, we have to make a change in our life. You know, we have to lay down. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable under God. You know, when they put the sacrifice on the altar, they didn't leave a leg out or an arm out or whatever. The whole thing was burnt. Sweet-smelling saviour under God. God's looking for people that mean business. We're in a warfare. You think the demonic forces in New Zealand are happy with the worship of God going up? They're trying to stop it. Funny about that. Mm, How many weeks was it shut down? Biggest backfire for Satan that he's ever made, I reckon. We are, (laughs) instead of, someone said, instead of church being shut down, and now we've got churches in every house. And he has the attention of every Christian to fall on their face before God and find out what they're meant to be doing. How desperate are you? Well, I've got to have Facebook. Now, I'm talking to me too on this one. You know, sometimes we waste so much time on rubbishy things, looking at a fluffy dog with his spare birthday today. (laughs) And there's millions going to hell around us. You know, we have to really evaluate our life and say, Lord, here I am. I mightn't be much, but you can take me. You know, God, the thing I've discovered about God is a show-off. He does not care what he starts with. He only cares with what he ends with. And you might think, well, I'm from a poor background. Look, I I couldn't read and write when I left school. Hello. Now I'm running a training centre, you know, an intellectual college sort of thing, you know. And, I mean, my, my English teacher, you know, just, I mean, I heard that, she, you know, just kill yourself laughing that I'm running a school, you know. And, I mean, I think it's a big joke, really, because God doesn't need our ability. He needs our availability. He needs us to come to the altar and say, Lord, I mightn't be much, but here I am. Doesn't matter where you come from. I come from Maribit. You've all heard of that, of course, in Australia. M-U-R-R-A-B-I-T. Even the people just down the road don't know wherever Marabit is. It was either mud or dust where I grew up. Absolute nothing place. And, and God just spoke to a seven-year-old kid and said, I'm going to send you and make you a missionary over there. I mean, all you've got to do to God is say, yes, he does the rest. It yeah. doesn't matter if you've got no, no ability. That doesn't, that doesn't count in God's contract. The only thing in the contract is, will you say yes to me? Will you do what I ask you to do? You know, you're all... There's enough in that place, in this place, to turn the South Island upside down for Jesus, in this place. If we get on fire for God, that fire... Ever lit a fire in the bush? Hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I come from Aussie. You know, I've seen some real fires. That ain't a fire. Kiwis, we've got real ones over there, you know. But the fires... get lit in the bush a a match can start millions of acres on fire just a match one person on fire for God can can sweep through a whole nation and this guy John Knox unbelievable it cost him he was thrown into a um, ship for two years as a slave rowing for two years it cost him it will cost you it might cost you your life are you prepared to give your life if you had to we've got to get to a point where we say lord i don't care anymore give me new zealand lest i die give us the pacific lest i die give us the world lest i die and i just want to read a scripture that really hit me yesterday it's in psalm chapter 2 psalm 2 verse 8 says only ask and I love the way this open that says, only ask. That's all you've got to do. Only ask. Wow. Then it says, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. As your inheritance. He doesn't say, oh, maybe you should ask for two people here. He says, ask of me the nations. And then he goes on and he says, and it says, the whole earth is your inheritance. Possession, Isn't that incredible? The whole earth is your possession. It's not Satan's. Satan has fooled us to think that he belongs, that the world belongs to him. It doesn't belong to him, it belongs to us. You know, I really believe that when the church gets fully moving with God, there'll be nations and nations brought to him. nations and nations because in the book it says only ask and it says and you know the thing that hit me about this guy john knox he prayed and he prayed and he prayed he prayed until he got his answers he prayed until he saw what he had in his heart he was crying out to god he never ever gave up you know so many christians please lord jesus bless us please lord jesus Bless my family. Bless my house. Give me more money. Amen. How desperate. What do we pray for? You know, I pray for money too. But I tell you, that's just by the way. I need money to get the job done. I pray and I have a desperation in my heart for the South Pacific. If I start, I have learned. Do not pray for the South Pacific before you go to bed. Otherwise, I will not sleep. I see ships going in directions. I see jets and boats and all sorts of things. It is not a good thing for me to pray just before bed. But I have a hunger in my heart to see every single island in those South Seas come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to know who Jesus is, not the religious... I was going to say religious... Crap, but I did not say that word here. The religious rubbish that they've been fed for so, so long that if you put a big hat on and wear a white Sulu, you'll be holy. No, it starts inside. It starts with an encounter with him. It's nothing to do with format, nothing to do with religion. It's a heart-to-heart, the deep in God, crying to the deep in us. And we have to get a hunger in our heart and put aside other useless stuff and get in and get with him. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. If I have to do this for two hours, I will. Keep praying, keep praying. Never give up, never give up. And I love, you know, the illustration of that guy, um, Winston Churchill. He went back to where he was in school. I think they chopped, they put him down. (laughs) You know, he didn't do very well at school. And he went back there and he was to address the... Uh, graduating classes and he stood up, they are expecting 40 minute uh, address at least, he was the big prime minister at that time in England, so he stood up, he said, never give up, I've listened to it on tape, I can take him off, never give up, never give up nor yield to the works of the enemy, sat down, <laughs> everyone's sort of looking and what else is he going to say? How many people remember that speech millions and millions and millions he got the point across and you know i believe many christians give up and they're too politically correct i hate people being politically correct sorry you know this guy john knox was not politically correct he you know the the church and the religious structure at that time was so corrupt and he got a revelation through people like Martin Luther and others that had been at that time and before. He got a revelation that the Bible is a supreme authority, not the religious guff, not the world system. That was more important than anything else. And as a result, the religious people tried to kill him many times. He was thrown in and out of jail, and he never, ever was politically correct. He would have been branded as a, as a um, whatever today, you know. But he stood up for what was right. Sin is sin. You can't chocolate coat sin. Hell is hell. Unfortunately, if you don't know Jesus, that's where you're heading. We need to tell the truth. You know, I don't want to get up to heaven and look down at all the people down in hell and have them cry out to me, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? We're in a time we have to mean business, even at our own expense, even at our own reputation, even if we get ridiculed. You know, I don't know of any real incredible preacher that everyone thinks they're wonderful. If people don't come against them and talk against them at times while they're not doing their job. Because we need to be people that view the, the Bible as the supreme authority in this earth. And everything else is second class. And so we need to get out of our comfort zone. I was reading about a guy here who, who uh, got out of his comfort zone. It's over in Matthew chapter 14 and uh, it's in verse 26 and it's Peter and Jesus he had told the disciples to go across the lake they went across (laughs) he went as was his custom to pray isn't that a good thing as was his custom to pray so he goes off and prays in the meantime the people in the boat which are his disciples are in trouble So he decides he's going to walk on the water. He goes walking on the water towards them and there's a huge storm happening. Winds are blowing, the waves are crashing. They're in trouble and they see this guy walking on the water. They didn't recognise him because he came in a new way and we have to be so careful in this era that God has called us to. The way people preach the gospel is going to be so different and so are strange in many ways to the way we've known in the past. we just got to be open. Because, you know, in my experience, not that many people run into church. We've got to go out to them. Right. <laughs> so this guy, Peter, they're all in the boat, right? And I've heard people preach and preach about this. It actually annoys me. Most preachers I've heard preach on this it really annoys me. Everyone's comfortable, even though it's rocking and everything's happening, they're in the boat. And Peter, when Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter said, if it's you, let me come. Jesus said, okay, get out of your comfort zone and come. So he gets out, (coughs) he starts walking on the water. He's out of his comfort zone, he's out of his protected uh, environment that he had known in the past that was safe. And now he's walking with Jesus on the water. And I've heard so many preachers. Oh, Peter, he, he looked at the waves. He looked at the wind. He took his eyes off Jesus. Bad Peter. And he began to sink. <laughs> heard it again. What about the turkeys in the boat? In their safety zone. Not prepared to get out. You know, they're the ones... That should be criticized not the guy that was prepared to take a chance with Jesus the guy that didn't care about his reputation that didn't care what people were saying that was going to walk with him upon the water so he's out there and then he did look at the wave crashed on him he did look at the wind took his eyes off for a moment And then he starts. It does not say he sunk. I don't know about you, but if I was out there straight to the bottom, none of this begin to sink. Straight to the bottom it would be. He began to sink. He knew where to yell. Lord, help me. Jesus just went over, picked him up, and it says, oh, you of little faith, why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you doubt? I don't think it was, oh, you of little faith, why did you take your eyes off me? Right. It was me- I think he had a smile on his face and he lifted him up and probably looking over at the boat with the turkeys still in there. <laughs> and he said, oh, Pete, you of little faith, why did you take your eyes off me? Do right. yeah. um, you think Peter learned something out of that? He kept his eyes on him all the way. Who was the guy that stood up on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 got saved? It was Peter because he was the guy out of the boat, not the turkeys that were still in there. (laughs) And so how did... I've got a question. I've got a question. Okay. Jesus, who was walking on the water to get there, Peter, who just walked there, how did they get back into the boat? Did they? No, they walked together back to the boat. They walked on the water together. You can't find it in any translation, but there's no other logical explanation. He would have had to have done that. He got out of his comfort zone. Sure, it was scary. Sure, the winds were blowing. The environment wasn't so safe, but he didn't fear because Of who was with him Jesus was there when he ran into trouble okay sank a bit he got picked up Jesus picked him up and they walked together back to the boat God's looking for us get out of the boat guys (laughs) Marion get out of the boat we get so safe in our own comfort zones so protected you know, well, I'm, I'm not really called for evangelism because I'm really shy. Well, get out of the boat. Go and do it. None of us should not be evangelistic. That's part of who we are. You know, God can use anybody. You might think, well, I feel stupid. Get over it. Get over it. I mean, who doesn't feel stupid? You know, many times I've been speaking to people, my knees are having fellowship together. You know, I'm so frightened, but I get over it. It's not about my natural feelings, it's not about the way I feel, it's about doing the will of Him who sent me. Yeah. Number one. <coughs> Number two. <coughs> Number three. Over in. Ezekiel chapter 47. Homework during the week, guys. Read those verses. Ezekiel 47. Here he is, Ezekiel, the prophet. He's standing there. God shows him heaven, the temple in heaven. There's a river coming down. (laughs) He's standing in the river. And the river is up to his ankles. And a guy comes and measures a thousand cubits and the river starts to rise, it then goes to his knees, it gets measured again, then goes to his waist, gets measured again. He's standing in the river and you know, I know when I've, I lived in near a place called Bright up in Wangaratta and I remember standing there in, in a river very much like New Zealand rivers, fast flowing, Fast moving, when you stand there up to your ankles, you can do what you like really. It's touching you a bit but it's not a great force against your body and you move around, no big deal. When it gets up to your knees, a bit more resistance, a bit more touching you, a bit more you can't do everything that if you wanted to do but you're still pretty free because your foundation is still strong. You can stand on your own ability, your own strength. Then, when it comes up to your waist, again, it's getting much harder to go against the tide. And then it says that river goes to a a point where no longer you can touch the ground, no longer. you touch the bottom it says rivers to swim in and that river went from the throne room of God went right down into the Dead Sea says when the waters hit the Dead Sea the Dead Sea is a lifeless dead place on earth no fish lives there no tree can grow right near it it's dead lifeless isn't that a picture of this world today What a picture of our world. And once those rivers hit the Dead Sea, it says an abundance, it doesn't say a a couple of little tadpoles appeared, an abundance of fish appeared, an abundance of trees came on the shores. And, you know, I looked at that and I thought, God doesn't want us ankle deep. Where we're standing on our own ability our own strength in the river of god there's plenty of people coming to church ankle deep they're standing hallelujah praise the lord You're even putting a bit in the offering when they feel like it here's another thing if god hasn't got your bank account guys he hasn't got you sorry just thought I'd add that. <laughs> no. Anyway, hate doing that when I'm, they're taking off an offering for you. It looks like she's trying to milk us, you know. I don't care. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to speak the word of God. He needs access to your bank account because we've got some stuff to do. I'm crying out for billions now because I've got stuff in my head. I'm scared. You know, I go to my people and I say, I've just been thinking. They all go, Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Like, what are you coming out with now? I've got some stuff here. It's going to cost millions and billions to do what's in my heart. But I know it's so crazy. It's got to be God. Yeah. You know, we've got, to, we've got to give God every part of us. I don't mean being stupid. You know, some people are stupid. If God tell, doesn't tell you to give away 20,000, don't do it. But if God tells you, do it. Right. So we need to not be ankle-deep you know little kids paddle I've seen them at Nelson little kids paddling in the shadow shallows just paddle God doesn't want paddlers knee deep no waist-deep it's getting better but no he wants us to swim and you know if you can't touch the bottom in a stream that's moving that fast you're gonna get swept You have no control over where you're heading. You're just going to be swept into that dead sea. And who brings the life? It's those ones who are out of their comfort zone, who are out of their protective little cocoons. And they're prepared to be just so given over to God. Lord, I have no more rights. I have no more uh, abilities or anything that I'm holding on i I'm giving it all to you. And that's the sort of guy this guy, John Knox, was. They say at the end of his life, when he was born, he said, they said it was a land of barbarians, was the quote that I read. Wild, rugged guys, Highlanders and tribal groups. By the time this man they had such a burden on his heart for Scotland, they said the whole of the government, uh, Parliament of Scotland embraced everything John Knox wanted them to embrace. Not only did the spiritual side, just the clear heavens above Scotland, but not only that, but the economics began to change. Even the culture began to change and even the arts and things like that began to change. And Scotland became one of the leading nations In the whole earth, because one man had such a conviction, he was prepared to pay the price no matter what. Just give me Scotland, lest I die. Okay, I've got to go on a boat for two years as a slave. I'm rowing for two years on a slave boat. Give me Scotland, lest I die. Give me Scotland, lest I die. And Mary, Bloody Mary, comes along and chucks him in jail a few times. Give me Scotland, lest I die. Give me Scotland. And then she has to say, My goodness. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. We've got to get serious, serious. And I know there's a lot of serious people here, but we've got to get more serious. We've got to get more out of our comfort zone than we've ever been. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I should have asked you to put that photo up. I forgot. (laughs) We're in harvest time. We're in the time where God is going to send people out into the harvest and that harvest might be your workplace, the place you have coffee, the place you, you go for your sports or whatever. Wherever it is, yeah. we have to be people that realise, you know, get over yourself, get out of the boat and begin to realise, Lord, I don't care what the cost, I don't care what the embarrassment I may feel Open up doors, open up ways. Give me Nelson, lest I die. Give me Nelson, lest I die. Get a hunger in our heart, so hungry to see God move that he won't help himself. I think God got sick of me. You know, sometimes I think that. I'd say, Lord, give me the South Pacific, lest I die. And then all of a sudden, some empowers in Suva. Ah, oh, where could we build the biggest South Pacific bo- uh, university? Where could we build that? Oh, Lombasa! Oh, okay. Who would have thought? is <laughs> the backside of Fiji. It's the armpit of Fiji. And yet, I th- I'm arrogant enough to say, because I've been bombarding heaven for 40 years saying, "Give me the South Pacific, that all the demons in hell had this down the side and let that happen. Now the South Pacific's coming to my territory. Come on. I tell you, I don't know how I'm gonna do it yet. He hasn't given me the tactics, but I know one thing. The day that thing opens, my foot's gonna be stuck in that door. And I know that many, many young people from all over the South Pacific are going to be full of God's fire, full of God's power, and we're going to just see God send them back into the islands, and there's going to be spot fires all over the place. Yeah, come on, it's good. Get absolutely desperate for God, so desperate that nothing in this world matters other than doing what God wants us to do. I just want to make you feel uncomfortable today. I want to make you squirm a little bit in your seats. As I was, as God's downloading this message to me, I was squirming as well. But we need to be people that are just so, so ready. If you want prayer today, oh, this is an altar. This is an altar. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I just want you to come out. No, you're not coming out to me. I'm already dead. (laughs) I've been dead for years. (laughs) I want you to come out and die. Die to your own ambitions, your own abilities, even... You've been too tight. You know, some people hold the, their money so tight the queen cries. Maybe some of you need to repent and say, okay, I'm letting the queen go now so she's not crying. You know, any area that you, you know has been a stronghold that's been a safety spot for you. And, and I, know, I know the Holy Ghost well enough to know. As I've been speaking, I don't have to tell you, you know very well the spots where the safety spots are being where the safety zone you can have everything lord but don't touch that area you need to lay it down so come out and we'll just see what the holy ghost does you know new zealand new zealand needs you south pacific needs you world needs you needs prayers you know, we need more prayers, man. Every revival in history has happened through people praying. John Wesley went into a place in Scotland and everyone pat John on the back as a big move of God happened. And He said, don't you pat me on the back. See those two old ladies over there? Those two old ladies in the corner? He said, they would been on their face before God for 20 years for Scotland. They brought the revival. How's that for a statement? They brought revival because of the prayer warriors and i know there's some prayer warriors in this place keep praying keep praying keep praying keep pressing in because we are going to see what we've promised we are going to see nations come to him we're going to see whole regions come to him because people were like john knox that were just prepared to give everything to him and say okay lord i'm not much but take what I am and use me. You know, you're just a drainpipe anyway. I learned that a long time ago. You're not the stuff in the middle. You're just a drainpipe. Just be a willing drainpipe. Let him flow through you. Let him bless people. You know, God will give you words of knowledge. I've been out in the um, in workshops. You know, I was. You know, you might have gathered I'm not really the most polished woman, but I used to work in workshops when I was a young person. I was the first woman textile mechanic in Australia, so I I love working with men. And when I'm in the workshops in Fiji, you know, I've been amazed at the word God will give me for certain uh, bosses and, you know, these Indian and Fijian bosses that normally never listen to women. They listen to me. They're not listening to me, actually. They're listening to who's talking through me. I'm just a good drain pipe but we can be a drain pipe full on with god and the same spirit that raised christ from the dead lives in you don't tell me you can't do it because actually you can't but he in you will do it come up the front you want prayer only if you mean business if you don't mean business stay there come up the front it's like a recruiting officer you know for the army We just present our bodies before you Lord we give a, give unto you everything that we have Lord we just lay it upon the altar Lord we say we now know we have no more rights Lord we're just being recruited into the most powerful army on the face of this planet the army of God Lord we give up our rights for fame and glory. We give up our rights to make a name on this planet. Lord, we hand over our bank accounts. We hand over every possession that we have. And Lord, we say, here am I, here am I, use me. And Lord, I know that you've called for so many around this world for such a time as this. Lord, they have no abilities in their own strength, but they stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, out of their safety zones, out of everything they've known, and they said, Lord, use me. Use me. Show me where I'm to go, what I'm to do, what I'm to speak. Lord, I'm prepared to put aside that Facebook account if I have to. I'm prepared to lay down the times I've spent just playing around and enjoying myself. I'm prepared to do that, Lord. I'm prepared to pray. I'm prepared to get a zeal in my heart like John Knox had. Lord, no matter what the cost, no matter what, the, what I have to do, Lord. Lord, I just want to lay down my life. And Lord, just give me the nations of the world lest I die. Give me, Lord, I just pray right now for such a desperation in every heart that's come forward. Lord, let there be such a absolute desperation, Lord, there's no other word for it, Lord, that they won't sleep, they won't eat, they won't drink. Lord, at times there'll be such times of being waking up in the middle of the night and, and godly strategies that you will pour into their heart, how to do a job, how to get the thing done. Lord, it's all about you. It's not about us. Lord, we don't want to take any of the glory for this because all glory and honour belongs to our King. And we're your servant. We just stand before you right now. And Lord, I just ask every heart that's standing before you right now, Lord, as they've emptied their heart, and Lord, you've just consumed their life as if they've before